When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day. But you know, if you're listening in iTunes, just go back about three weeks. That's going to be the easiest way to do it. And this one is called Hack Your Career. So I do hope you find it helpful and that you give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. I think you'll find it very much worthwhile, just like the first one as well. And with that, let's get going. Hi, this is Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter, and you're either watching JobSearchTV.com or listening to this as No BS Job Search Advice Radio. As you know, from time to time, I like to bring on an expert in some element of careers, job search, stuff along those lines. And I've got Sean Shepard here today, who is going to introduce himself. And we're going to talk about finding a job in 90 days or less. Jobs or careers? Is it jobs or careers, Sean? Well, I think it's, it's definitely a career. There's no question. Super. So could you introduce yourself to my audience and let them know about you, what you do, stuff along those lines? Give them your bona fides, please. <laughs> I love that phrase. I know. Me too. Um, my name is Sean Shepard. I'm a founder of GrowthX and GrowthX Academy. I'm a five-time, uh, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur and a five-time founder. I've had three successful exits. I have a real passion around uh, education, um, professionalizing industries like uh, sales and marketing, design thinking and data science. Um, I, uh, I, I have a real problem with traditional ed- institutional education and, and the gap that exists between what, what's needed in the marketplace versus what's taught in school. And as a result, one of the businesses I launched is, uh, is a boot camp to teach people all the necessary roles to be successful in the innovation economy called GrowthX Academy, which you can find at gxacademy.com. Um, and GrowthX.com is where you'll find our venture capital fund and our innovation practices that we work with governments and corporations on helping them build um, tech ecosystems for the innovation economy. But one of the big things that we do is we're very much focused on developing programming that's based on the needs of the marketplace and the employer marketplace, not on what, you know, traditional education thinks we need. Uh, I do a market first approach. And as a result, we have a nearly perfect um, placement record at the academy for graduates. 
And what um, kind of jobs are they going into, Sean? They're going into sales-related jobs, they're going into operations-related jobs, they're going into marketing-related, and they're going into UX and design thinking-related. These are all the, the roles that aren't really taught in traditional um, programs. Um, and they're, they're doing it in an accelerated learning, fully immersive environment where they're working on real projects with real companies uh, for over 60 to 70% of their time uh, in the program. Um, and then they're being connected with a global community of, of employers and mentors and people who can help them. But one of the biggest problems that we always see is that people end up taking a job because they think they need to and they check a box, but they don't really think through it in a way that gives them the best opportunity to learn. That's why project-based uh, experiential learning is so important. Um, when they are working on real projects, applying the craft that they're trying to acquire, they find out pretty quickly if this is what they want to do. And, they, and we make sure they think about not just what they want to do, but with whom they want to do it. People do not leave companies. They leave the people they work for and with. And those are the people that decide, that, that, that drive and shape how our attitudes and how we feel uh, on a daily basis. And so it's really important that you raise the standard under which you decide where you want to work and with whom you want to work. And I'm here to provide a framework that we have, that, that's been successfully applied for years to help our uh, students get the jobs that they want in the career fields that they've chosen, working with people uh, on things that are meaningful uh, and with people that they enjoy. So we're going to be talking about finding a job in 90 days or less. I think that's doable. I know it has been doable for a lot of the people I coach. Walk everyone through what you do. What's the first step that people uh, launch with? The step one, step one is to get a, uh, is to develop your personal vision. Um, so what, who, and you know, who are you and what do you want? What do you love? What do you enjoy? Uh, and what does that say about the career that you should be spending your time on? So in step one of a personal vision, everybody needs to, take a personality profile assessment if they haven't done it in the past. Um, there are free tests all over the internet. Um, and I don't care which one you choose. Uh, the one that we apply in the academy is the nearest uh, 16 personalities test. Um, they can find it online just by Googling it or they can go to growthx.academy forward slash free test and take their own. But the idea there is to figure out who you are and what you love and what your natural uh, uh, tendencies are trends, personalities, characteristics, and traits. So that's the first thing. Get clear about who you are. If you don't already have a mindful, if you're not mindfully aware of who you are naturally and what's built into your DNA, um, you're going to struggle with this process and you're going to just struggle generally because self-awareness is critical. Um, and the second thing you do is you have to define your personal vision by suspending all doubts and fears and write down what your ideal would, uh, life would look like five or 10 years from now. I, prefer, I personally like to do three to five years. And that means you go through an exercise, write down, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? What do you have in your life? What don't you have in your life? How does that make you feel? Write it down as an actual vision as if it's completely real. That in 2025, this is what my life is going to look like. And go wild. Put down whatever you want. You need to suspend any limitations in your mind that you cannot have those things or those people or 
or live in a certain place or, or do a certain kind of work. It's amazing how adults struggle with suspending reality for a second and just pausing for a moment and say, hey, what do you think your limitations are or what you think your limitations are? Take a moment, put those aside and imagine. Absolutely. Imagine is something that adults struggle with and it's critical to create the life that you want. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, what's that old saying that repetition is the last, you know, bastion of imagination. So of no imagination. So you've got, we get conditioned by society to, uh, to, to think that there are, we have these limits and most of those limits are placed on us by ourselves. Um, or at least we assume other people's ideas of what those limits should be. Uh, so put all that stuff aside, make it a fun exercise. Hell, don't even call it. Don't even say me, come up with some third party persona and say, Dave is going to do this or Lisa is going to do that. Um, and this is what Dave's life's going to look like. And your name could be Jeff, but just call it Dave. It's a fantastic exercise for self-actualization is to get outside yourself and make up a persona. If it, if it makes you uncomfortable to talk about yourself in that way, but that ideal vision, once you have it, it should be your, your daily companion. And it's very personal. Don't share it with anyone except a partner or a spouse. And I strongly encourage you to have them do the same exact exercise and then compare notes. It's actually really fun to find out uh, where you stand together. Because ultimately, at some point, you should try to find alignment with that partner or spouse because that has a big impact on, on uh, your career path. And your, and your life path as well. Because when you think about it, I'm just going to use generalizations. Uh, you want to live in the desert. She wants to live in the mountains. He wants to live in the mountains. You wind up in this complicated situation and you have time to sort it out. It doesn't have to be, you, you, you both sort it out. It has to be that way. Fight, fight, fight. It's, let's see how things evolve. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that it, it, it's a forcing function for some really good conversations. And it's, if it can work, it's a relationship rule. And it doesn't just have to apply to a partner in life, but it can apply to a partner in business as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are both very important. So the third exercise, once you've figured out who you are by taking your personality test and then defining your personal vision with, with, with just reckless abandon, which is the right way to do it, a lot of fun. Um, now you need to find your true passion um, that will lead to something that's meaningful. So step one of that is, is what I call rediscovering the child with it. And it's just a simple exercise. Write down the five things you were most passionate about as a child. Start with the very first thing that comes to mind. Uh, then take it a step further. Think about other things and activities that excited you most when you were young. So for me, like my number one thing was anything with a ball was fun. Right? Like I didn't care if it was a football or a baseball or a basketball or a golf ball or a tennis ball or, or a plastic ball. Um, uh, you know, whatever it was, a moth ball. <laughs> Who cares? I loved to play with a ball, right? And so what did that say about me? Right. That said that I, I, I'm an active person. I'm a constant mover. I enjoy team sports. Um, I enjoy competition. It said a lot about who I was and what I like to do. The other thing that I loved was I loved to play with my friends um, and we would play any kind of game. Right. So I knew I loved the tactileness of a ball that created an opportunity to play a game. And I liked 
to play it with other people, right? And you see where that starts to go? It starts to say things about who you really are and what you like to do, right? Um, and so I want you to do the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's played in a sandbox, it's, it's, it's drawing, it's um, Etch-a-Sketches, it's Lego, um, it's, it's, uh, it's running around, it's playing soccer. I mean, pick it. But write down the five things you love the most as a kid. Even, it could be watching your favorite television program. Uh, it could be doing something with a sibling or a friend. You mean there's no wrong answer to them doing this? Come on. <laughs> no, there's only your answers. It's your life. <laughs> so there are no wrong answers. You're completely right. Um, and then do it again, and then do it again for puberty. So now go up to like your, your 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, your teenage years, and do it again. Uh, write down the list. Rarely are they all exactly the same, but usually two to three of them are the same, sometimes four. And then you compare the list together, and then you start to see what the obvious parallels are. And then you merge them to create five activities that you're going to get reconnected with. So you're going to take the five from when you were little. You're going to take the five from your early teens. You're going to merge them together. You're going to pick five that you think are the most obvious. Start with the ones where, you, again, there was a pattern between the two. They were consistent. And then you are going to get yourself involved in re-engaging in those five things one a week over five weeks. And ideally have fun doing it and not get your head in the way and start saying, oh, this is stupid. Oh, this is ridiculous. Where, where is this going anyway? Just yeah. shut your mind up and do it. Exactly. Um, and so choose one of the five activities. Start with whichever one's easiest. I don't care. And then the first week, you're going to start, you're going to schedule it in your journal and you're going to call it a passion field trip for the week. Right. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something with a ball or I'm going to go out and I'm going to go, I, I'm going to, you know, Hey, maybe I will go play, go to a Lego shop and build something. Um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go get a puzzle and do a puzzle. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go t uh, take an art class or buy some, buy some materials and go do that again. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to an old friend that I used to do a certain activity with when we were growing up and try and engage in that activity again. And then you schedule one a week for those five weeks. If you can do it faster, great. If it takes a little bit longer, that's okay too. But again, the idea is that we're trying to get you the career you want in 90 days. The reason we select 90 days is because most of our fully immersive programs are about 12 to, 12 to 24 weeks in length. And we want to start our students on this process when they've got about eight somewhere between eight to 12 weeks left in their programming so that when they're coming out, they have multiple interviews and multiple offers. And that's the idea. And that's why we try to keep it within this time frame. Um, if you have a different time frame you want to set for yourself, that's fine. And then the second thing that's, and this is really important. You need to partner with an accountability buddy. Oh yeah. You need to share with somebody in your life who wants what's best for you and is willing to give you the time and tell you the truth, uh, what your plan is here and what you're doing, and get them to hold you accountable. And maybe, maybe they want to engage in the activities with you. Maybe they want to go through this process for themselves. Um, but this way, when you have an accountability buddy, there's somebody holding you accountable to, what you, to, to having to do this stuff. You have to look them in the eye if you don't do it. It's really helpful in driving the right kinds of behaviors.
I know when I ran the New York Marathon, I had an accountability buddy. He and I would always do a Sunday long run together. And you could tell from the long run what we had done during the week. It was really easy. Yeah, there's no hiding, right? And that's the idea. Um, So then after those five weeks and journaling your experiences, you need to take a good look at yourself and sit down with your partner and accountability buddy and ask yourself, what activity or activities excited you the most? Which one or ones filled you with the strongest sense of discovery, joy, and maybe a renewed um, passion and certainly a purpose or a meaning? And start to understand a little bit more about what gets you motivated, what gets you up every morning, what gets you excited. Look, I'm an entrepreneur not because I chose it. I'm an entrepreneur because it chose me. I didn't have a choice. And every day that I'm doing entrepreneurial stuff, I can't wait to get up and do it. I'm up every morning at 4.30 or 5, and I'm at it until I pass out. Um, Like a kid who's been playing in the backyard all day, right? That's that's me, and I've been fortunate enough to figure that out. Um, So this is your opportunity to try and go through that exercise. Then once you do that, the fourth step, is to now try and connect what you've learned about yourself as passion and purpose to your profession. So now what do you do? You identify your key takeaways. What did I learn about myself? What does it say about me? And how do the results of this exercise, how are they going to influence your search for what I call a person career fit? So the idea is now you are trying to connect who you are naturally as a human with the right kind of career because you don't just have to do the things you're good at. You can actually do the things that you're good at and like. Oh no, not that. I might good at and like, I might enjoy my work. Come on, Sean, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, and the way you start with that, Jeff, is, is you figure out what you like and then you can become good at those things. You don't have to just default to the things that you're naturally good at. Or you learn to be good at, you know, and, and shall we say you got forced into being good at them. That's exactly right. Because we check, I can't tell you how many people come through the Academy with, with advanced degrees and, and, and all these major, major accomplishments who are miserable because all they did was just check the boxes that their family or society told them to check. That was going to be, that was going to fulfill them and that was going to make them satisfied. Didn't work for me. I'm sure it doesn't work for a lot of people. So what do they do next? So the next thing they do is now that they have an idea, hopefully of, of what they are passionate around and what gives them purpose. Now they need to define a role. And what we call that is an ideal role profile. What role would you fill in the world? The goal of this is to gain a solid understanding of ideal roles within an organizational structure uh, across various industries and segments and stages of companies, et cetera, um, that, uh, that you might fit into. And so this is a discovery process and starting to kind of put some light parameters around how you would, what kind of work exists in the world today that you could do that would meet those passion and purpose uh, likes that you've identified. And how do you find out about these roles? Because 
I'll use the example of the uh, financial consultant uh, with a Wall Street firm, and they realize that they like this, that, this, that. That's very different than what they're doing now, but they're not sure where to find these roles. Could you offer one or two suggestions for how someone could go through that exploration to find them? Yeah, well, uh, two things. Step one is to find a common lexicon. Get out of the industry terms and into the actual how the work is described. Uh, so start with that and then look for commonalities there, right? So, all right, you might be in finance in the, in the banking industry. Um, how they talk about the financial and the banking industry is very different than how they talk about it out here in Silicon Valley in the tech industry or how they might talk about it in manufacturing. So you've got to dig into the, to the job descriptions and you need to start pulling out keywords that translate across industries and sectors. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is you've got to do the research. You need to do the Google thing. You've got to go to all the different job sites and all the different aggregators and start to look at understanding what exists out there um, in a narrative sense that you think you can do. You don't have to have the answers to how you're going to explain it yet, but you just have to find that common thread. You then send people off to talk with people who are doing that kind of work to see whether the fantasy and the reality uh, are aligned or is there another process in this? Uh, we do that, but not quite yet. Thank you. First, first you want to, once again, you need to start describing the roles, the primary fu functional responsibilities, uh, how they're compensated for those things. Um, how, how their individual success is measured, which is super important. And we'll come back to that later. Um, and the requisite skills and attributes that you find associated with each role. Do not emphasize experience at this point. Okay. Experience is one of those things that's placed in job description for those of us that have been playing this game long enough to filter people out. So, do not pay attention to years of experience at this stage. This is not about that. This is about you trying to identify an ideal role. Then from that, you develop an initial ideal role profile hypothesis. I'm losing audio on you. Lost audio. Now I got you back. Sorry, uh, for some reason it connected to my AirPods, which aren't anywhere near me. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. So, so the idea again here is to develop an initial ideal role profile hypothesis that would interest you most uh, and why it would interest you most to show where you plan to focus your pending career search. This is then when you start the research. Does that make sense? Of course it does. But the, again, one of the most critical aspects of this and why this is so important is, is you can't just do this on your own. You need help from your community. And in order to get help from your community, you have to be clear about what you need. There has to be an ask. And the clearer you are with your ask, the easier it is for people to help. And, and when you're talking about community, I'm sorry to interrupt, you know, what I notice is that most people have the habit of, okay, now I'm going to apply for jobs. And in yes. point of fact, what you're looking at is your community is a resource to provide introductions 
to organizations or people rather than doing the applying jobs nonsense. Exactly. And you'll see me talk about this here towards the end, but I'll just say it right now. Point of fact, the last thing you do is apply for a job through a traditional process. That's the last thing you do. Because if you applied my framework correctly, you're only applying through the traditional process because the hiring manager has asked you to after they've already fallen in love with you. Gotcha. So what's next? Because I know time is precious for you. I know it's precious for me. What's next for folks? The next is to define your ideal company profile. So now you do the same thing. You create a hypothesis that describes the kind of company you want to work in. Right? And then that story, that comes part of your overall story. When you talk about your role and the kind of company you want to, you want to uh, test that in. And, and the framework for that is think about the stage of a company. Think about the industries or, 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 or verticals they're in. Think about the kinds of roles and what they call the roles inside of that company that you could participate in. And then add any additional requirements that matter to you. Things like mentorship the opportunity to grow and move in an organization, the location of the company, the kinds of compensation, the culture. And culture is simply defined as how we do things around here. And now you start to build out this sense of, okay, this is the kind of role I want in this kind of a company with these kinds of opportunities. Make sense? Very much so. And then you put your bucket, you you create two company profile buckets. You create a bucket of the ones that fit all of your criteria. And then you create a second bucket of all the ones that don't, that just are pulling on you because of your passion. And you're not quite sure yet if they have a role that's, that's there for you. But you, you love that company and their mission and their purpose so much, and you feel so emotionally connected to it, that you're willing to figure it out and go that extra step to uncover opportunities that might exist in there that aren't obvious based on their website and research and job uh, job postings. So to use the example, example, the fit's easy, but the ones that might have an exception, let's say you're really fascinated by bleacher reports because you're a sports person. Yeah. You might do some more research to see how you might fit in there. That's absolutely right. Because I can't tell you how many people have come to the Academy that got what they thought that was your dream job right out of school. I had one student I'll never forget. All he ever wanted to do was work in the NFL. He figured out a way to get a job with the Miami Dolphins, and he hated it. <laughs> and it's not, it was nothing against the Miami Dolphins. He had no idea what that industry was like. He hadn't done the research. He just fell in love with it. And he didn't understand what, how the business worked. He didn't have the business model acumen. He didn't know what kinds of roles would exist. So he took whatever they gave them. And they gave him a role that was absolutely antithetical to his personality profile. And that happens all the time. Because we romanticize ourselves. I'm not saying you don't go after those things. I'm saying you go after them intelligently. You apply the framework to figure out how you can work in those companies. And don't just say yes to everything that comes through just because you have a romantic connection. What's next? Next is the fun part. It's researching and canvassing. So now you have to create a decision framework for yourself um, about a risk profile. There's four, risk pro, there's four elements to the, to the decision framework. Personal risk, financial risk, execution risk, and market risk. So what is your personal risk? How much of a flyer are you willing to take on a company? Um, how much of an unknown 
uh, how, how willing are you to go into an uncertain environment around the things that you care about most? Is it a company that's just raised a little bit of money? Is it a company that may not have great mentors? Is it a company that you're not sure whether or not there's growth opportunities? Uh, you might be more willing because you see the upside in it to take more equity compensation than salary, um, et cetera. Then there's financial risk. Um, how well-funded is the company? How secure is the job or role that you're taking? Um, who is backing the company from investors and the board members and the executive team? How does the media and the press view this company? Are they a market leader? Are they an up-and-comer? Are they kind of considered a legacy business? Does any of that matter to you? How do they make money? What are the sources of revenue? Who are their customers? How do they pay them? What do they pay them? This is going to be really important for you to understand as you go along. Um, and then execution risk. Talk to me about the team. Your hiring manager, um, the, the leadership team, your, your boss's boss, the founders, the executives, and then what kind of hiring power does this company have in the marketplace? Are they hiring A players? Like, are they getting all the rock stars from a particular role or industry that have amazing reputations? Or are they taking anybody off the street or somewhere in the middle? Um, and then market risk. Where does this company position itself in terms of its long-term viability? Do they, are they a market leader? What are their customer segments? Are they growing or are they dying? How are they positioned for the innovation economy? Um, especially in the age of COVID and the Great Reset. What are they going through? What does their competition look like? Because as you do competitive research, you might find other companies that would be interesting to you that have a very similar approach. And we use this thing called the Career Canvas that we developed, which is a visual tool, which is part of the resources I sent to you, that allow you to map out all the company info, the financial risk, the market risk, uh, the current and talent and future needs, your personal needs, so that you can start to build an understanding deeply of a company. And I'm going to have a link to where this is on Sean's website uh, with this video slash podcast. So uh, Sean mentioned that he had sent it to me. It's terrific. You'll be able to find it with that link. Yes. And then after you've done that, <clears throat> um, what you need to do next is look at their um, <clears throat> look at what we call person company fit. So now using the canvas, you can start to score a company um, and you check off boxes, five being the best, one being the worst. Um, and you ask yourself on a scale of one to five, how good of a personal fit is it? How good of a financial fit is it? How good of an execution fit is it? How good of a market fit is it? How good of a fit for an individual role in the company? And how good is the overall company a fit for me? And you score each of those from one to five. And then you have a scorecard. And then you do that for every company that you're researching. And then you literally have a ranking. You can score these companies based on those metrics. Because you're going to get a total of five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 points per company. If you look at those six criteria on a five to one scale. And then it, then it becomes very obvious to you what companies are the best ones for you to target and go after, okay? And then you ask yourself, based on what you know, is this company a fit for you? Is this role a fit for you? Does it fall into your hypothesized company profile? Um, 
And then you start to build a list and then an action plan. And this is the most important part. This is what people don't do. This is what the most successful career uh, um, ladder, uh, I would call them jumpers or hoppers. I don't call them hoppers, but people who are the most successful at climbing the career ladder, ladder do this. And I see it over and over and over again. And I see this in C-suite people all the time in Silicon Valley. When they're ready to make their next move, they build a funnel. They put out, they build a spreadsheet with all their decision framework. I've given you a canvas. They start putting companies in it and they put a number of companies in it that's big enough that guarantees when they come out the bottom, they've got multiple offers from the companies they like. And in the academy, I ask them to canvas at least 50 to 100 companies over this 12-week period. Now, when they first do start doing company research, the first couple take hours and it's painful. But as you become adept at this and very proficient, you can canvas a company in 15 minutes. That and is. you learn very quickly if they're a good fit for you. And so now you fill that company funnel with 50 companies, let's say. And now you want to start the outreach that we were alluding to earlier, Jeff. I want to start talking to people that are in that company, who used to be in that company, who are around that company. And I want to use my network and my community to get to those people. And I'll reach out to them any which way. I'll reach out to them on LinkedIn. I'll reach out to them on Twitter. I'll reach out to them via cold email. I'll figure out a way to call them. I'll send them a letter. I'll find somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. I'll reach out to them on forums like Glassdoor or In Her Site, which is Glassdoor for Women, which is an amazing company based in North Carolina, by the way, Jeff. And in full disclosure, one of my investments. I think it's a fantastic company. It's called InHerSite.com. They are the place to go to understand what it's like to be a female working in a company. It's review. It's peer reviewed by females for females. Fabulous. Anyway, so you go to places like that and then you start reaching out to these folks and you start offering to have coffee meetings or do whatever you can to try and understand and validate what you've thought about this company. What's it like to work for these people? What's the company like? What are those roles like? What's the culture like? You know, all those things. And then you start working your way down the funnel from reaching out to actually making real connections and having real qualified conversations. And then that should eventually lead to trying to get meetings with hiring managers without talking to recruiters. And there's an approach to doing that as well. And, and we, can't, we're not, we can't cover everything, so we're not going to do right. the approach for recruiters. Right. So how do, how do people... We're talking about the approach to the hiring manager, and we only have a few more minutes. Yes. So what happened? Please. Sorry. So four steps. Craft your story about who you are and what you want to do. Create your value hypothesis about how you can contribute to that company. And then create a conversation opportunity to uncover any given needs, regardless of role. And then ask yourself, can we work together? And you use a framework I call the SPIN framework, which stands for situation, problem, implication, and need. You ask situational questions. So you think you can pre perform a finance function in this company? Tell me. Tell me about your finance operation today. How are, you, how are you doing these things? And then you listen for any problems and challenges associated with it. And then you uncover those problems and you ask them to reveal and clarify and state what problems they have. And then you ask them, what's the impact on their business that these problems haven't been solved? And you let them tell you. And then based on that, you ask needs questions, which mean, how would your life be different if you change these things? 
And then you use that to say, am I a good fit to help you make that change? Yes or no? And if you believe you are, then you start the conversation about how you're the right person. And it changes the entire approach. And the last thing you do is apply online. And I'm not a believer in applying online, so I would never tell people to do that. As a matter of fact, I tell people never, ever apply for a job through an applicant tracking system unless you're being directed by a hiring manager to do it. Absolutely. And the last tip I'll provide is very simple. The most successful job seekers treat their job seeking as their job. Yeah. So true. Because if you do it casually, if you don't care enough to invest the time and effort, what's the message you're giving yourself and others about it? Absolutely. you got to get up every day and work the system just like it was, you were being paid to do it. Because ultimately, you are going to be paid to do it. You are making an investment in yourself with this exercise. You betcha. Sean, thank you. How can folks find out more about you and the work that you do? Sure. They can go to gxacademy.com to learn more about the Academy. Uh, certainly you're going to provide some resources. There's a resource page there with a, with a, with a, with a link to this deck and they can follow me on Twitter, connect with me on LinkedIn. They can go to growthx.com to see how we uh, invest in companies and help them grow. Um, and of course um, I'm, I'm uh, always happy to continue the conversation with anyone if they want to reach out to me directly. Sean. That's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you with your job search, hiring more effectively, managing and leading, and workplace-related issues. In addition, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button there that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. Obviously, I'm going to charge for that, but I can help you with interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace, I can coach you about. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live or you know, a less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. I can assure you your network will expand a lot by connecting with me. And finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, like 90 different manufacturers. I'll be back tomorrow with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. Be great!